Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. How many of you guys came in surprised about the tables? The question is, how many of it was a pleasant surprise? How many of us are a little disturbed about the... <laughs> amen, amen. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Yes, yes, yes. So this is a title, the series that we are kicking off called Make Room. Make Room. Um, we're going to be talking about, for the next couple of months, we're going to be talking about the blessings of biblical hospitality. The blessing of biblical hospitality. This is that time of season. I don't know how many of you guys like that time of season. It's sort of like um, Halloween is the kickoff when, you know, it's immediately after we begin to think about Thanksgiving and Christmas. This is the time where we begin to host family and friends, loved ones. We begin to kind of wrestle with this, this concept of hospitality, of welcoming the stranger, welcoming the guest, welcoming the friend, welcoming family. And so we thought it would be good for us to listen, to list out the blessings of biblical hospitality because some of us dread this season coming up, you know, the hosting and, the, and all of that. And we have to kind of gear ourselves up in, um, for this year, uh, for this time of year. And so um, we just was like, it just be really good. To, to kind of focus in on that. And so um, we was just like, what did it look like for us to literally make room, for us to sit at the tables and to, to do it? So for some of us, it may bring some trauma. It's like brings you back to the lunchroom table when you're just like, can I sit there? And then people looking at you like, no. And everybody's like shaking your head. You know, no, you can't sit here. And we just begin. But hopefully that we can redeem that experience over these next eight weeks, you know, in doing that. But we're, we are excited about doing that because what we wanted to do is that this is going to be a time that we're, it's not going to just be one like us just solely teaching you, but we're going to have some time to interact with one another. And so we're talking about the blessing of biblical hospitality. But what I want to know first is to ask you a question that you're going to discuss in your table. Think of it like speed dating. Don't give your sermon, right? Um, but we want to know, we want to just start off with just in your table, and I'm going to give you only about like a minute or two, um, just what are some of the misconceptions? about hospitality? What are some of the misconceptions? So like one or two word answers and just kind of go around at your table and do that and I'm gonna give you about a minute and a half, ready, go. Misconceptions about hospitality. If you're at a table by yourself or alone, please connect with someone. If you're in the balcony, get together with one another. We got about another 50 seconds, another 50 seconds, so.
All right, 15 seconds. We're going to bring it to a close. 10 seconds. All right, all right. So let's, um, real quick, real quick, just give me the stand up or the shout out. Let's give a couple of people some of the blessing, or not the blessings, some of the misconceptions about hospitality. What are some of the things that we've heard? It's a woman's job. That is good. That is definitely. Listen, we start off right. That's it. That is definitely a misconception. Amen. All right, what else? What else? Hospitality. Your house has to be perfect. Your house has to be perfect, Your house to be perfect in order to do hospitality. What else? All right. You can't have boundaries about being, while being hospitable. Have, say it one more time. Oh, having a smile. So all the people who say my pleasure is not nice. Man, man. That a single person cannot do it just as good as a married person. That's great. I love that. Other than, what else? Yes. That being hospitable is just about uh, having a home to give and not about presence. That's good. That's good. All right. What else? Anybody else? Any other examples? How many of us thought like hospitality was like being with Martha Stewart? Martha Stewart for a time was like the, was the, the, the embodiment of hospitality for so long. Did you have one? Lonnie? Yes, so that hospitality has to be extravagant. They just can't be simple. They can't be simple. That is good. This is really good. All right, so we're going to do it again quick. Another speed round. Who are we to be hospitable to? Who are you to show hospitality to? All right, a minute. Ready, go. Just one minute. Thirty seconds. Fifteen seconds. Fifteen seconds. All right, all right, all right. Once again, give me some, give me some feedback. Who, who are we to show hospitality to? Our neighbors. Who else? Our enemies. We're going to be hospitable to our enemies. To those who need it. Yes. To our closest relationships. Huh? To strangers. Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. All right, last time, last time, why? Why are we to show hospitality? Why are we to show hospitality? All right, we got a minute, ready, go.
20 seconds. Ten more seconds. Four, three, two, one. All right. Why? Why do we show hospitality? Why do we show hospitality? Okay. Perception. Okay. That's good. All right. What else? It's good. Okay. All right. It's another vehicle to show the character of God. That's good. To be light. Like L-I-G-H-T, not L-I-K-E. Not to get a light, but to be light. Yes. Yes. All right. To be light. To create safe space for others. That's good. To, to bless others of what God has given you. I love that. Because you don't know what people are going through. To, through. It is one of the primary expressions of faith in the early church. Good. That's good. Love. Amen. Just to demonstrate love. It's an act of submission to God. That is good. These are all really, really good answers. If you have your Bible, open up with me to um, the book of Romans. The book of Romans. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 9. And we're going to talk about today the blessings of biblical hospitality. The blessings of biblical hospitality. How do we um, display or show hospitality? We're going to talk about who we show hospitality to. And then finally, we're going to talk about why, why we show hospitality. And we're going to talk about it in the context of the biblical, um, the blessings of biblical hospitality. Um, you guys gave some really, really good answers. And I really just appreciate your interaction and your courage your encouragement in that. Because the, the question we often ask is where? Where are we to take our cues from when it comes to hospitality, when it comes to being um, a biblical hospitality? And what does that look like? And so this sermon is basically going to be broken up into three parts and the parts that I've already shared. All right, so let me just read to you um, the verses. In this Romans chapter 15, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 9. 7 through 9. It says this, Therefore... Welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the fathers and so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I praise you among the Gentiles and I will sing praise to your name. 
Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this opportunity to come before you. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful privilege that we have to sit at your feet and hear from you. We pray, Father, that our hearts may be open, ready to receive the wonderful truths from your law. And it's to you get the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So one of the things that I want to talk about in um, today is basically three things. When we talk about how, how do we show hospitality? One, um, and then we're going to talk about who, and then the why we're going to show hospitality. But the first point that I want us to understand is like in this verse is that this verse and this sermon is broken up into basically Romans chapter 15 and 7. I believe Romans chapter 15 and 7 is an outline of the book of Romans. It's an outline of the book of Romans because, and we know most people when, that when you look and if you were to pick up commentaries about the book of Romans, they would say the book of Romans is about the gospel. It is about the gospel. And but what it, about the gospel is the book of Romans uh, about? And in Romans chapter 15 and 7, it gives us the understanding of what it's about. The Bible tells us here, it says, welcome one another at, just as Christ welcomed us right? That your translation may have accept one another. But the whole idea is that means it to take in, to embrace, to make your own. It's not like just solely creating space, but it's about creating something that it becomes kind of a part of the area that you are, the space that you take up. It's allowing people and things to take up room in your life, right? So, it, so the Bible says, welcome one another in the same way Christ has welcomed you. And so if we look at the, the book of Romans, the book of Romans is basically broken down into 16 chapters. And if you were to study the book of Romans, what you would see is Romans chapter 1 through 11 is about how Christ welcomes us. It's by grace through faith that it's a gift of God, not of work so that no man could boast. How Christ welcomes us. But then the second half of the book in 12, chapters 12 all the way to 15 through 13, it talks about how we are to welcome one another. Romans 15 and 7 gives us both the how we are to welcome one another, and it gives us the who we are to welcome. And it summarizes it in that, in that sentence with saying, welcome one another in the same way or just as Christ has welcomed you. So in order for us to understand biblical or the blessings of biblical hospitality, we have to understand the gospel. We have to understand the gospel. We have to understand how Christ welcomes us. Why do I, you know, and here's the blessing. Here's the blessing in the first point. Christ makes room for us. Christ makes room for us. One of the things that we have to recognize is that at the very core of hospitality is the gospel. Hospitality is the core of the gospel. When he tells us to welcome one another, just as God has welcomed us, welcomed us. Biblical hospitality is all about learning to make room according to the logic of the gospel. It has to make sense to us because the gospel makes sense to us. If we don't understand how Christ welcomes us, we won't know how to truly welcome one another. And so one of the first blessings that we understand about the biblical gospel is the fact that Christ welcomes us and that it's very core to what we have. And so look at if you listen to these three parts, we're going to start off with this middle part of that section. How does Christ 
welcome us. And in order for us to do that, we have to go back to the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, right? Before we do, before we go through, kind of do a quick survey of that, I want to give this a simple definition, a simple definition of what we, uh, how we defined hospitality. Um, Hospitality is love for both the sinner and the saint. Hospitality is both love. It's love for both the sinner and the saint. I love Henry Nouwen's definition or statement around hospitality. He says that hospitality primarily, um, hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people but to offer them space where change can take place, right? I love that definition because we says we do hospitality not in order to change people, but we do and we show hospitality in order to create space where change can take place. And this is the, what the book of Romans is ultimately about. It's about how does God make space for sinners like you and me? How does he make space? How does God welcome us? How does he accept us? In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, basically it kind of kicks off. It just gives us a kind of the, the opus of what the gospel is. Paul speaking to the church in Rome after giving kind of the message of why he was called. He comes and he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God to save Everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And so right here, we we see that the very opening of the book of Romans, we talk about how Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because it is the very power of God to bringing and to reconciling men and women back to himself. But he doesn't stop there. He also talks about how that reconciling power works both to the Jew and to the Gentile and also to the Greek, right? And so he says this word, this big word, this five cent word that we see in the Bible, like one of those seminary words, he says, it reveals the righteousness of God, the righteous God. With what we understand about righteousness is righteousness is basically a big word is saying right relationship with God, right relationship. That when we understand righteousness, we understand that there is a justice component to righteousness, but there's also a relationship component to righteousness. And God, through Christ, is making room to both uphold his justice, but also make room for reconciled relationships. And that is given out to both the Jew and the Gentile. We got to understand that in the book of Romans right now, this is basically a lengthy um, discussion because Paul ultimately in Romans is writing. Um, it's, It's really a support letter. If you, if you study the book of Romans, Romans is a support letter that is going to the Roman church but there, because Paul wants to take the gospel to Spain 
And so as he's trying to take the gospel to Spain, he writes them this letter because he wants to receive some support to help him in the missionary work. But there's a problem. The church in Spain is divided. They're divided between Jew and Gentile. They're, they're, they're divided on so many fronts. And there's so many reasons why they're divided. But they're divided right? They're divided. That You come to even Romans chapter 15, 16, in Romans chapter 16, you see that there's so many different churches that he has to speak to because of the division that is so prominent there. And he's ultimately saying, this, I can't ask you for support to further the gospel because you guys are not even getting along with one another. So we can't have any common mission if there is no union. And so he shows us how the gospel is both righteous living in the eyes of God, but it's also reconciled relationships in the heart of every believer. And so Paul, and I'm just going to go real quick, so just go back and listen to it later or read these later, but just, let me just give you an outline of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, 5 through 6, what we see is that Paul was sent to bring the good news to all people. Romans 5 and 6, Romans chapter 3 and 10, after he kind of goes through, he says, listen, let me just understand that it's going to all people because some of you think that there's big eyes and little U's, that some are closer and some are farther. But he says, but let me just summarize this for you in Romans chapter 3 and 10. There's actually none that is righteous. No, not one. There's no one who actually seeks after God in their own human flesh. And so he kind of levels the playing field for all to both the Jew and the Gentile because, you see, at that time, the Jew are those who've been raised up in the church, think that they're closer to God than those who are far removed from him. And he says, no, there's actually none that are righteous. No, not one. And he says, matter of fact, he says in Romans chapter 3, 21, he says, for apart from the law, the righteousness of God is revealed. So again, he says, apart from you trying to build yourself up to earn God's righteousness, that's not going to happen. But apart from the law, what? The righteousness of God. So every time you hear the word righteousness, basically what we're saying is that right relationship. Apart from the law, right relationship is obtained through God. And then, so then he goes through and he gives us um, some things, some justification around that. But then in Romans chapter 8 and 1, he says, even for me, Paul, who the very things I want to do, find myself not doing. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing all the more. He, and he comes to this conclusion, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this flesh? And then in Romans chapter 8 and 1, he says, for there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation, but God doesn't just set sinners free and just to go live more sinful life. But what he does is that he adopts them as children. Romans 8, um, verse 4 through 15, he says they, he adopts them as children and we cry out, Abba, Father. Romans chapter 8, 35 tells us there's nothing that can separate us from that love that God gives us in Christ. Romans chapter 9 talks about how God, it's about God's mercy. He says, I give mercy on who I give mercy to and, and show grace to who I show grace and have compassion on who I have compassion. So it doesn't depend on human will or, or, or exert, our own exhortation. It depends on God's mercy alone. So then it goes to ch- Romans chapter 4, 12. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12. And he says, therefore, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. Basically, Romans chapter 12 is saying that if the mercies of God is true, what are the mercies of God? What he has been explaining about how Christ welcomes us in the first 11 chapters. If that is true, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And then he goes on in verse 9, he says, outdo one another. And then he goes and he gives us this command that we're talking about. He says, show hospitality to one another. Show hospitality. You see, we understand the gospel, or Paul understands the gospel in light of how Christ welcomes us. Because at the very core of 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 the gospel is hospitality. It's at the very core of it. So if we want to know how do we show hospitality, we show hospitality in the same way Christ showed hospitality to us. That's the standard. That's the the way. How did Christ show hospitality? By grace, through faith. That it was a gift. That it wasn't earned. It wasn't deserved. But it was given. Right? He gave it all. He gave his son. But the question becomes... Who do we make room for? Who do we actually show hospitality to? Because if Christ makes room for us, the question we have to ask and recognize is, how do we make room for one another? Because he says, welcome one another, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. So he gives us the standard in how Christ welcomes us, But then he comes back and he puts it back on us and then calls us to go and welcome one another. There was a prayer that was mentioned about 10 years ago. One of the pastors here who went on to plant Cornerstone, John Anwuchekwa, basically made a prayer one day. He he prayed this prayer, and I remember the prayer, and it was deep um, to me because when he was praying, he said, God, give us all the people nobody else wants. And I remember hearing that prayer, my eyes opening up. And I was like, wait a minute. Give us all the people that nobody else wants. And I started realizing, I started thinking about, hey, there's a reason why nobody else wants them. Right? There's a reason why. We all love the conversion story of people like that, but we don't like them in their mess. We love the testimony because it shows the power of God, but we don't want to have to walk through their testimony with them. You you guys understand what I'm saying? So I'm just being real and honest with you. My eyes literally opened up. It wasn't in my heart. Like, it was opened up, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, because I asked that question. I was like, there's a reason why nobody else wants them. But then there was a second question that quickly came on me. The second question was, God, if you were to answer that prayer, Would we as a church be ready? Would we be ready to receive all the people that nobody else wants? And it was at that time I recognized that we have to recapture with the understanding of what biblical hospitality is. We have to understand that it is. So when we talk about both the who Shows hospitality. Is the showing of hospitality just to those people who are gifted in hospitality? Is showing hospitality just for those that are in the host team or those that are um, ministers of the gospel? No. The, the showing hospitality is to be given or it's a call 
to every single believer in Jesus Christ. Right? In this passage, in the book of Romans, it's sort of like Paul puts himself into these in between the Jew and Gentile problem, and he throws himself in there, and he's basically throughout the book of Romans says, like, show hospitality to one another, create space for one another because there's division, there's strife, there's turmoil, there's tension. And he's just kind of on sometimes he feels like he's arguing for the Gentiles, but then other times it feels like he's arguing for the, the Jews. And in there, you see Paul demonstrating this idea of hospitality because hospitality is the call for every believer to pursue, right? We see this principle throughout the scriptures. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, it's a litmus test of faithfulness. It talks about let the widow, right, um, be enrolled if, she is, if, she, if she's not less than 60 years old, but also if she has shown hospitality. In Hebrews, the author calls us not to neglect this gift, right? Not to neglect this gift of hospitality. He says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Thereby, some have entertained angels without knowing it. In 2 John chapter 10, 2 John 10 and 11 shows that, matter of fact, that if you don't show hospitality to someone, it's actually one of the greatest rebukes that you can have. He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring his te- this teaching, do not receive them into your house. So, so to actually shut your doors down is actually one of the biggest signs of rejection and disapproval of hospitality, of being of um, receiving the message. They talk about it in 1 Peter that the omission of this gift is a concern to faithfully steward God's household. He says, above all, keeping love one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. And do you all even know that it is actually one of the biblical requirements of leadership, both to the pastor elder, pastor elder, and also to deacons? It talks about that above all, he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright. And so what we see is that throughout that there is this call for every believer, all of us, to show biblical hospitality. But not only do we show it as a call for each and every one of us, but it's also the aim of where we show that biblical hospitality is that hospitality makes room for both the sinner and the saint. Again, the conflict that was going on between the Jew and the Gentile Christians that was there, the, the, the delivery that he was giving was so important. And so if we were going to say, how do we show hospitality or even what types of people? Because you might be saying, to Hadi, I understand that we ought to show hospitality, but there are certain types of people that we show hospitality to, not all people, right? And so again, let's go back to this. How does God, through Christ, welcome us? Well, if we go back to Romans, in Romans chapter 1, in Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32, you know who God shows hospitality to? The hedonist. You know what the hedonist is? Hey, this is the person that says, I'm going to live my best life now. He shows hospitality to those. But, you know, who else he shows hospitality to? The legalist. He says also to you Jews who think by the law you're going to maintain. And he says, even you. But also, he 
shows hospitality to the judgmentalist. The person who's judging, the person who says, hey, I'm not like them, God. And so who does God show hospitality to? He shows it to the hedonist, he shows it to the judgmentalist, and he also shows it to the legalist. He shows hospitality to both saint and sinner alike, both stranger and sibling the same. That he gets to the point where it says, therefore, welcome one another. Who's my one another? Because that's our question. Who's my neighbor, God? Who's my one another? Who are you calling me to show this hospitality to? He says this in verse 8. Let me give you an explanation. Verse 8. For I say to you that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promise, the promises to the fathers. Who is he talking about? Who is he talking about there? Who is the party of, who is the servant of the circumcision? Who's the circumcised? Jews. So right here he says, listen, welcome one another, because he was like, I already know your next question, who's the one another? He's like, well, Christ showed it. He became a servant of the circumcised. He became a servant of the Jews. But then he doesn't stop there. Verse 9, he says, and, and so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I, pr- I will praise you among the Gentiles and I will sing praise to your name. So who else does he serve? The Gentiles. And so who is the aim that Paul is saying that he said at the very beginning when he proclaimed the gospel early on, excuse me, early on, it's both to the saint and to the sinner, both those who are near and far. It's both to the Jew and the Gentile. God makes room through Christ. But the implication is, then who are you to make room for? Because we know that it goes beyond just simply Jew and Gentile. Basically, we know that it's basically our enemies. Because the Jew and Gentiles didn't like one another. You got to remember, during that time, the Jews were under oppression by the Gentiles. They were under Roman dominion. There was a province of Rome, right? He says, make room for them. So we got to make room for them, our oppressors? Yeah, make room. We got to make room for even the people who are not maintaining the law. Yeah, make, make room. Make room where people don't look like me, talk like me, people who don't vote like me. Yeah, make room. You see, hospitality is the ability to make an enemy a friend and ultimately a brother and a sister. It is the very means in which God calls us, whether he's a hedonist, a judgmentalist, or a legalist. Hospitality seeks to welcome the sinner, whether they're skeptic or they're a seeker. Hospitality seeks to build up the saint, whether they're strong or whether they're weak. Where where, where am I getting that from? In Romans chapter 14, if you just kind of go back, in Romans chapter 14 and 1, Romans 14 and 1, he uses the same word, accept one another or welcome all one another, except the weaker brother, the stronger brother. And he makes this argument. So even in the body of Christ, because there's some of them who had their their conscience was so weak, they couldn't eat meat sacrificed to idols. 
They couldn't drink certain types of things. They was, they was weak. And so Paul picks up an argument that he had in the, the church in, to the church of Corinth. He was just like, hey, the, to the church at Corinth, those people, he says, listen, if we want to argue theologically, yeah, there is no such thing as really any other God. God is the only other God, only true God. So you can actually, if you give thanks, offer up, you know, thanksgiving to God and take on all the meat, and all the drink that you want, as long as you don't get drunk. He says, but all things are permissible, but all things are not profitable. And he says, matter of fact, if, because there's a greater principle, if you're drinking, if you're eating, it's not about just your freedoms, but it's about creating space that all of us can worship God together. If you're eating and in your drinking causes your another brother to stumble, he says, actually, don't ever do it again. Shut it off. Because there's a greater principle. It's a principle of love. It's a principle of the gospel. And so he goes and he tells us all of these things and then let us know what biblical hospitality is about. It's about biblical hospitality being about learning to make room for the logic of the gospel. How are we to welcome one another? Who are we to welcome? We are to welcome one another in the same way Christ has welcomed us. Who did Christ welcome? He welcomed the sinner and the saint, the hedonist and the legalist, the judgmentalist. He welcomed the Jew and the Gentile, people who look like you, who didn't act like you, who don't talk like you, who don't vote like you. Why? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, and I think he said it rightly. He says, the Christian community is not an ideal. It's not an ideal, but it's a divine reality. The Christian community is a spiritual and not an emotional reality. We say it like this. He says, the church is not like family, but the church is family. God is our father. Jesus is our elder brother. And we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so showing hospitality to one another is about just living out the true expression of what it's like to be family. And so we understand that hospitality is the art where again, the guest becomes a friend and the friend becomes family, right? Especially, this is especially important in places like cities where you have density, you have diversity, you have us living on top of one another, right? And you see that, that diversity being spread out, but in that we also see the tension at its peak. But the question becomes why? Why? Okay, I, I get it. So when we talk about the, the blessings of biblical hospitality, we, we recognize that Christ makes room for us, and that's such a big blessing in the gospel. But we also recognize that we ought to make room for one another. But the reason, why are we to do that? And he gives us a really simple reason at the end of that verse. He says, welcome one another just as Christ welcomed us. And then what does it say at the end of that sentence, verse 7? For the glory of God are two the glory of God. The reason why we do hospitality is because it brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. What does that word glory mean? The Hebrew word for glory, which is used right there, basically it means it brings heaviness. It brings heaviness. It brings a weight to who God is. That, that we recognize that this gospel is not just pie in the sky stuff. It's not just something that is this rhetoric that is so heavenly minded, but that is of no earthly good. It brings some weight to, to his name. 
that he is helpful. He is who he is. The hospitality brings that weight to the gospel of Christ. It's something that we use in everyday speech to show the importance of someone, the honor of someone, the greatness of someone. And so why do we show hospitality? It's because first he showed it to us. We show that to one another so that ultimately we can bring glory. We can bring some weight, some substance to his name. Right? I love Jeff Vanderstelt's quote. He says, we are to live our lives in such a way that demands a gospel explanation. That we live in such a way that demands. We show hospitality in such a way that demands. It's not our good deeds. It's not us coming up with just a good idea. It's not us just trying to look good. It's just simply is because we serve a God that brings weight, that has weight, that carries weight in our life. So over these next couple of months, what we're asking, what we're calling, what God is calling each and every one of us to do is to make room. Make room at the table. Make room in your life. Make room. Make space. Make space. Make room. And so what we're going to be doing is that every single Sunday for these next, few, the next couple of months, every single Sunday, we're going to take some time. We're going to first, we're going to make room for God. So for these next Sundays, we're going to celebrate communion every Sunday as it's a way to making room. So just a reminder, we're not just doing a practice. We're not just trying to do, but we're, we're making room because he's made room for us. So we want to remind ourselves to make room. But also, we're going to talk and we're going to go through and we're going to go through some real practical things of how do we actually make room for one another? How do we make room for the seeker, for the skeptic, for the family member? How do we make room in the same way Christ has made room for us? And we want to get really practical with us on how we make room, right? Yeah, I was about to say something else, but I'm not. All right, so how do we make room? You see, because the gospel is significant. It brings weight to our lives. And I just want to end with a statement, and then we're going to take some time to be communion. And so if we get ready, our host team, to take communion before we sing our last song. Here's the thing. I told you about righteousness. Righteousness is right relationship with God. If we're going to understand biblical hosp- the blessings of biblical hospitality, we got to understand what it is. And here's ultimately the statement that I want you to leave with. The blessing of biblical hospitality is not only making bad people good, but it's also about making good people nice. Too many of us, when we talk about the gospel, we always think about us changing the wretched, oh, wretched man that I am, making us a better person. But see, here's the problem. Most Christians, a lot of Christians, I'm not going to say most, but a lot of Christians are jerks about what we believe. You see, what Paul is saying, he says, welcome one another in the same way Christ welcomed us. He's basically saying, stop being a jerk about our faith. You once were the hedonists. You once were and are the judgmentalists. You once won and are the, legal, the, the judgmentalists, the hedonists, the legalists. You once, you once were all those people, but apart from the law, 
the righteousness of God has been revealed. This is a, a call, for, an invitation for us to rest, to stop trusting in ourselves and to receive the room that God has made for us on behalf of Christ. But it's not just, the gospel is not just to make us better people, but it's to make us hospitable people. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.